0: Turn your Bibles, we're going to be, really we're going to be in the book of Genesis chapter 3. We're going to hit a couple verses before that, uh, but the main passage is going to be in Genesis chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I was reading a book um, about Benjamin Franklin. Incredible, incredible man. The, the, the inventions that uh, he created, um, this man was way ahead of his time. But what amazed me the most was his initial reaction When he discovered electricity, you know what his initial react—I mean, probably one of the greatest uh, discoveries ever. You know what his initial reaction was when he discovered electricity? He was shocked. You believe it? He was shocked. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Anyhow, this morning I want to spend our time considering our enemy, our adversary the devil. It's important for us to know as much as we can about him. We need to know what he's all about, and we also need to know how he goes about doing things. Jesus gave us some very good insight into our enemy, into the devil, into Satan himself. In John 8, listen to what Jesus said. He was talking about our sin nature, but he was also tying that in with Satan. He said, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So here Jesus gives us a couple of important facts about Satan. First and foremost, Jesus lets us know that he's a murderer. Flat out murderer. Second thing he tells us about him is that he's also a liar. So, Satan being a flat out murderer, his desire is to bring physical, spiritual, and eternal death upon each and every one of us. That is his desire. See, his days are numbered, his eternal destiny in hell is set, and he wants to bring as many of us with him as he possibly can. We have to understand that. This is what he's all about. This is his motive to destroy. Amen? He's a murderer. Now, the question is, how does he go about doing it? And that answer is the second part of what Jesus uh, told us. He does it by lying. He destroys by deception. The Bible warns us to be aware, to be on guard for the, against the wiles, the cunningness of the devil. Amen? God warns us about his cunningness. And this tells us that he is an exceptionally clever deceiver. Amen? An exceptionally clever deceiver. Now, the most dangerous lies are the ones that sound the most like the truth. Amen? That's what we need to understand. Now, most of the time, they even contain some truth. And that's what makes them dangerous. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, it says, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness... So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So we need to understand that Satan deceived Eve with craftiness, with subtlety. Amen? His lies are crafted methodically. We need to understand that he crafts his lies very methodically, in a way that sounds biblical, in a way that sounds like it's truth. This is how Satan works to destroy us. He begins by deceiving us. He starts by attacking our minds. Amen? We need to understand what the Bible tells us. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We have to understand how we think will determine how we act or how we react Amen? Our thought process. Our thoughts are the spark for what we do. And to that end, we need to understand that Satan would rather us believe a wrong thing than to do a bunch of wrong things. You understand that? Satan would rather us believe a wrong thing than to do a bunch of wrong things. He knows that if we believe wrong things then our life will be filled with wrong deeds, with wrong actions. Satan deceives us with lies in order to corrupt and to manipulate our thought process. Amen? That's what he does. That's his motive. That's how he does the things that he does. And this, if we're not careful, will lead to our destruction. Amen? So that's what we have to be mindful of. Now I want to make a note here. Not only is Satan a very, very clever deceiver, but he also lies about the greatest truth. Who is the greatest truth? Almighty God, amen? He is the greatest truth. And if Satan can get us to believe to get us to see God in a, in a false light, then he can control every single aspect of our life. We have to be on guard for that. And he will have us right where he wants us. So let's pick up in Genesis chapter 3, if you would. Start right at verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said to you, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, I want to point out something real quick there. God never mentioned anything about touching it. That was something Eve added. So God simply said, you shall not eat it. She adds, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So this morning, I want us to take a look at this passage. And I want to show you the top lies about God that Satan wants to use to deceive us. Amen? The first one is that Satan wants us to see God as this mean dictator just sitting on his throne, just waiting for us to mess up so that he can fire a, a lightning bolt at us. Amen? That is the picture of God that Satan wants us to see. Amen? Now, Satan knows that he could never deceive us or deceive the world into denying God's existence. He's tried that many, many times, and it's failed, and failed miserably. So Satan no longer tries to, uh, you know, say that God doesn't exist. Instead, he admits that God exists, but he wants us to believe that God is a harsh, that he is a cruel dictator. Now... When we think of God, he wants our thoughts to be negative, right? Every time we think about God, Satan wants those thoughts to be negative about him. Let's look at verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said to you, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Satan took God's words, and he just twisted them a little bit. So he took truth, and then he twisted it for his own benefit. He mentioned every tree. He embellishes God's word into a flat lie. God gave Adam and Eve free reign to eat, to enjoy every single tree that he ever created except for one. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan was tricking Eve into thinking negatively towards God. Did it work? Sure did. Because the moment that Satan asked that question, Has God indeed said to you, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Eve's response was, we are not to eat it, nor shall we touch it. Satan starts the embellishment of God, and then Eve continues it. He planted that negative seed into her mind. And Satan just wanted Eve to see God as a a mean and cruel dictator that holds back goodness from them, not allowing them to to have complete joy. He doesn't want them to have complete fun. He He wants to hold back some of the joys of the garden from them. Now think back about our own life. Think back of what our view of God was before we came to know Christ. Isn't that exactly how we used to view God before we were saved? When we were unsaved, we we saw being a Christian as a what? A positive or negative? As a negative, didn't we? I'd have to give up all my fun to become a Christian. I'd have to give up all my Sunday mornings and and Wednesday nights to be a Christian. Satan wants us to see it as something unpleasant. That we have to endure to be a Christian. We have to leave all that fun behind in order to live for God. But that's just another flat lie from Satan. Amen? That view couldn't be farther from the truth. I don't know about you, but I have more fun, more joy, more peace in my life now than I ever did before knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. God is not sitting on his throne just devising ways to punish us and to to oppress us and keep things from us. He's not watching and, and just waiting for us to mess up so that he can punish us. But even now... Sometimes when we mess up, what's our first thought? God's going to make me pay for that, isn't he? I'm going to have to pay for that. But that's, that's just an improper view of God. Amen? When we mess up, when we sin, what happens is we push ourselves away from God. And if we continue to do that, we'll push ourselves away from God to the point where we miss out on his blessings. We miss out on his protection. But that's what we do. That's not what he's doing. Amen. He wants to bless us. He wants to protect us. He wants to give us the best. And when we have that negative view of God, it's just not the proper view of the true and living God of the Bible. Amen. We have to guard our minds against that improper view. Now, if we look at that proper perspective, Try to imagine all the splendor, all the glory of the Garden of Eden, can you? Just try to picture in your mind's eye how beautiful that paradise was. All the thousands of flowers, the thousands of different fruit trees, just overflowing with their color and their beauty. And God created it for who? For us. He didn't do it for his own purpose. God created all those things and he said it is good for man. He created that beautiful paradise for mankind to enjoy. Now out of those thousands of beautiful fruit trees. Thousands. God left only one off limits. Now... That is, by any standard, I'm just going to say outrageously generous. Amen? (laughs) Can you imagine the thousands of different flowering fruit, fruit trees that we have in this world? And they could enjoy all of them except for just one. That is incredibly generous. Not restrictive. Very far from restrictive. And we also have to understand that that forbidding tree, that one single tree that God said was off limits, that was a test to mankind's free will. We have to understand this. In order to have a free will to choose what is right, what do you have to have? You have to have a choice. Amen? Otherwise, it's not free will. If there's no choice, there is no free will. In order to choose what is right from what is wrong, you have to have a choice before you. In order to choose love, we must have the choice not to love. Amen? And that's exactly what we have with Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us unconditional love when he went to Calvary's cross. Does God force us to love him? Absolutely not. He has given us a free will to choose to love Christ back or not to. That is a choice that he presents before us. So we have to have that choice. Now, when God said not to eat of that tree, we have to understand that was not a threat. It was a warning. Amen? God was warning Adam and Eve of that danger. It was a warning not to get hurt. When God says don't, what is he saying? Don't get hurt. It was not a threat. It was a warning for our best interest. He's not saying don't to steal our joy. He's not saying don't to steal all the fun from us. He's saying it to keep us out of harm's way. God loves us beyond measure. He only wants the best for us, and as such, he doesn't want to see us hurt. Amen? He doesn't want to put us in danger. We all know, and we, we say it every week, that God is good. Amen? Because he indeed is good. and. Goodness, that is part of his character. He can't separate himself from it. It's who he is. God is good. But Satan doesn't want us to experience God's goodness. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Does that sound like a God that's trying to hold back from you? Not at all. The 84th Psalm, verse 11 For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give you grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. We need to understand that it's God that gives us more beauty than we can hold. He gives us more seed than we can sow. He gives us more stars than we can even see. He gives us more sea than we could ever sail. He gives us more breath than we could ever breathe. And he gives us more love than we could ever live. Amen? That is what God gives us. Our precious Lord gives to us, and not just gives to us, but gives to us abundantly. Amen? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Does that sound like a restrictive God to you? James put it this way. He said, Every good gift... And every perfect gift is from where? From above. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That is the true and living God. That is the God of the Bible. But Satan wants us to see God as mean and cruel as a dictator. Second thing, second deception, Satan wants wants us to see God in a negative light. He wants us to see God as untrustworthy. Not just as a cruel dictator, but he also wants us to see God as untrustworthy. Going back to Genesis chapter 3, in verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Listen to Satan's reply. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. What did God say? You will surely die. Satan inserted a one tiny three-letter word that completely changed the meaning, didn't it? Completely reversed what God said. And he said, you will not surely die. What is he doing? Satan is trying to put doubt into Eve's heart, into Eve's mind. First, he wants her to see God as me, as a God that's trying to withhold good things from her. And now he's trying to uh, say that if God is not good, then he certainly cannot be trusted. That's the doubt that he wants to put in Eve's mind. I want to make a comment here. If anyone tries to put a doubt concerning the authorship, the authority, or the accuracy of God's word then they are 100% doing Satan's work. Amen? Satan would like nothing more as a liar. Amen? We need to understand that. He is a liar. You know, Jesus warned us about that. He would like nothing more as a liar than for people to doubt the truth of God's word, the Bible. Amen? Amen? Nothing more. We need to understand that this is God's word given to us and is 100% reliable, 100% infallible, and we can stand firm on it. Amen? As I preached last week, our days are just like the days of Noah. There's no doubt we are living in the end times. And what did Jesus warn us about those times? What was the first warning he gave his disciples when they asked about the end times and about his coming back? The first thing he warned was, let no one what? Deceive you. Amen? Jesus warned that in the end times, the days will be filled with deception. And here's a few examples of how mankind today is turning away from truth. The first thing they turn to is rationalism. My truth is based on my reasoning. We hear that a lot today. My truth, my truth, my truth. What does that mean? There's either truth or untruth. Plain and simple. There's no gray area when it comes to truth. My word has more authority than God's word. That's rationalism. Then we also see empiricism. That means truth is based on evidence. It's based on empirical data. Now that sounds logical, doesn't it? That truth is based on empirical data. What we need to understand is that data can be what? Can be wrong. Think back to Christopher Columbus's day. All their empirical data told us that the earth was what? Flat. And if you go too far, what will happen? You'll fall off the edge of it. So we have to understand with empiricism, you have to take into account that some data can be just flat wrong. Period. And then you have existentialism. That's a liberal belief that the Bible is not God's word. That it only becomes God's word when you read it. Existentialism. Then you also have relativism. That tells us that truth is on a sliding scale and is always changing. The verse we read in the book of James said what? That God has no variation in him, no changing. God is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. And that is the same with truth. It doesn't change. It is either true yesterday, today, and forever, or it's not what? Or it's not truth. Amen? Relativism. We need to stay away from it. We also have pragmatism. Truth is based on whether or not it fits my lifestyle. Amen? Whether or not it works for me. If it doesn't work for me, then it can't be truth. If I say 2 plus 2 is 10, then that is my truth because it works for me. Is 2 plus 2 10? No. Now all these false and deceptive philosophies come straight from the father of lies himself, see. And the sad thing is, these are the, this is the ideology all five of those ideologies are what's being jammed down our children's throats in school. It used to be just the universities, but now it's being indoctrinated all the way down to the grade school level. Truth is no longer truth, it's your truth. It's crazy. But this type of thinking, this, this type of belief system, leaves the world with no standard of truth. You kind of just make up the rules as you go. Why? Because that way there's no accountability. No accountability means no personal responsibility. And there's no way that I'm going to be accountable to this cruel and untrustworthy God who sits up in heaven just waiting for me to make a mistake. That is the lie and the deception that Satan wants to feed us. So Satan wants us to believe that God is mean and cruel and he can't be trusted. Thirdly, Satan wants us to believe that God is also unfair. He is an unfair God. Verse 5 in Genesis 3. For God knows, this is the, the lie that Satan continues telling Eve. He said, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, Your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, remember what I said earlier, that the most dangerous lies are the ones that have some truth in them. Here, Satan is implying that God is unfair. Satan says, Eve, God just doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to be a God like he is, full of knowledge and and completely independent and autonomous. Right there in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 3, we see the beginning of pantheism. Pan means all, and theism means God. Pantheism is a belief that says we are all what? God's. And that is the lie that Satan was trying to have uh, uh, to, to plant the seed in Eve's mind and in her heart. Pantheism, the false belief that we are all gods and we are all in control of our own destiny. Satan is very cunning, he meticulously and methodically. Puts his lies together, so that they sound so close to the truth, that they sound Biblical. He even did that when he took Jesus out into the desert, after Jesus fasted forty days, forty nights. What did he do? He quoted scripture. But what did he also do with that scripture? He took it completely out of context. Those are the most dangerous lies. Let me give you an example. God is love, is that true? Absolutely Love is God Is that true? No If we make love a God Then what do we do with true God? We just shrunk him, didn't we? How about this one? God is wisdom, is that true? Absolutely If that's true, then wisdom is God also, right? Right? Absolutely not. See how dangerous it is? But those are the things that Satan does. He'll take truth and twist it just a little bit for his own motives. Taking what I just said, just because I love and just because I have wisdom, that does not make me a what? A God. Amen? And the truth is, I only have love and wisdom because who gave them to me? Because God, in his graciousness and his goodness, he gave them to me. If we don't stand fast, and if we're not dogmatic about truth, then our view of God will be completely blurred and defiled. Satan wants us to see God as a mean dictator who's just unfair and can't be trusted. The same thing he did for Eve. He lied and he deceived her into believing that God was limiting her, holding her back, blocking her from her full potential. In reality, it was the complete opposite. Amen? The complete opposite. God wants us to obtain our full potential. He wants us to achieve our very purpose. First uh, Corinthians two nine. God says that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I don't know about you, but I love that verse because I have a huge imagination. And I can just imagine the goodness that God has prepared for us, and God says, You're not even close. As big as your imagination is, you're not even close to the goodness I have prepared for you. Amen? Revelation chapter 22, and I'm going to close with this. And God showed me a pure river of water, the river of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street, And on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, every tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there, They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And listen to what he has promised every single believer. And they shall reign forever and ever. I don't know about you, but reigning for eternity is not limiting our potential. Amen. It's wanting us to uh, uh, accept and obtain our full potential. God wants us to take hold of that potential as what? God has promised us that we are joint heirs with Christ. That means we will be equals in eternity with Christ. We will own everything that he owns. Joint heirs with him. But as Gina, Jesus warned, we can't let anyone deceive us. Amen? Why would we ever want Satan's substitute when we can have God's truth? Amen? Why would we ever want Satan's substitutions when we can have God's truth?